Oh yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's a little spooky time. This is a podcast about things that spook us just a little bit. Things like aliens, cryptids, conspiracies, or Jeff Bezos. (laughs) He is the mixture of Lex Luthor and Mr. Clean, and he's going to space, and my name is Everett. (laughs) My name is Colleen. I I know very few Jeffs. My my name Jeff? (laughs) The Jeffs that I have heard of, none of them are normal. You got Jeff Bezos, Jeffrey Epstein. Jeff the Killer. Jeff the Killer, Jeffrey Dahmer. Not a whole lot of good Jeffs up there. No, if, do you hate your kid? I feel like Jeff is a cursed name. My name Jeff. <laughs> yeah, for anyone that didn't get the reference, he is spending much of his wealth in order to put himself in space. I just, I don't get it. What is, what's there to do out there? Escape. Right, I mean, I can see visiting, you know visiting space for a little bit but like when you get bored i think that's the plan now he's just visiting space but i'm pretty sure he's making his way to setting up a space colony where he can live and set up his own rule where he can avoid prosecution that may potentially come up in the future maybe not just some ideas being thrown out there with all this bill gates news coming that's like out a too. dangerous dangerous thought though because once he's out there and, you know, people on Earth ain't going to want him to come back in. And how's he going to get all the supplies? Amazon uses drones. <laughs> Why not just throw a rocket on there, too? That's true. I suppose if he still owns all of the warehouses and stuff on Earth. till the government gets to him. Can't. No one can get him in space. <laughs> Valid point. It's the final frontier. Well, that's enough about space. <laughs> Maybe. Because I don't know what we're talking about today. What are we talking about? We are talking about a classic spooky, a classic tale of cryptids in America. We are talking about the <gasps> Enfield Horror. Ooh, ooh, ooh. The Enfield Horror. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. I've heard this one, like the, the name of it before. Mm-hmm. I actually have no idea what this is. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, I've, I've heard the name like quite a bit, but I've never like read anything about it. I've never heard anyone tell me anything about it. Well, what's interesting about this case is that it is very similar to a lot of sightings of cryptids in the 1970s. But this one left physical evidence. Mm. So that's what makes it intriguing, though. As I'm telling the story, you might get deja vu about the Hopkinsville Goblin story because it's got very similar elements. Okay. Let's dive in. Let's let's go spelunking right into (laughs) Enfield. Okay. This story takes place in Enfield, Illinois in 1973. And Enfield is a tiny village in White County, which is located pretty far south in Illinois. And it's, it's bordering on Kentucky. So I call it less Midwest and more south. Okay. I even I was just curious because I'm interested in language and accents. I looked up Enfield accent. It's definitely more Kentucky than Chicago, for sure. Yeah, I can see that. Anyways, the the whole area of this village is only 1.2 square miles, so it's tiny. It's just a small. What do they call those bedroom towns where you just you sleep there but you work elsewhere? 
like you leave town to work. Oh, I've never heard that term. When you said that, I thought it was going to be like a highway town where there's a couple hotels. No, no, (laughs) no. So in 2010, in the 2010 census, the population was listed as 596. But in the 1970s, it was 764. So, I mean, people are getting out of there. (laughs) People are getting out. But even I think from back then, still a very small. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was curious about the people of Enfield. So I actually did a weird amount of looking into Enfield itself just to give myself, put myself in the headspace of a 1970s Enfield resident to see if I would believe this story. Groovy? I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's like too remote for that. You think they were like jiggy with it? (laughs) (laughs) What decade are you living in? I don't know. Anyways, there's not much cultural information about Enfield in the 1970s, but I'm kind of operating under the assumption that life in Enfield, Illinois right now isn't majorly different than it was in the 1970s. Other than, like, the obvious, like, advances in technology. Yes, right. But, and that changes life a lot. But I think that culturally speaking, Yeah, just small town America, just you either leave, like, commute somewhere else to work or you just live there. Right. And, like, you maybe have a farm or something. I don't know what it's like there. Right. So in order to find out what it was like, I looked it up. It's 98.5% white people. 0.3% Native Americans, and the rest of the population is made up of quote-unquote other races, whatever okay. that means. I don't I, know I if mean, that's like mixed-race people, Hispanic, means, Asian, African-American. Yeah, it's just there's a dozen people that aren't white that live in this right. town. Exactly. So if the proportions were the same in the 1970s, we're talking 749 white people and 15 people of other races. Sure. So, I mean, <laughs> we're talking... Very small, very homogenous 1970s town bordering on Kentucky. Is just, that is that the true horror of Enfield? Yeah, it just feels scary to begin with. No. I Google Earthed it to see what it was like. I took a walk through Enfield. That whole 1.2 square miles? Yeah. So there's a sign, the Welcome to Enfield sign. It says, Welcome to Enfield, Illinois, home of Mule Day. My favorite. It's my favorite day. (laughs) Clearly, it's significant enough to point out. But I'm, are they talking about the animal or the shoe? Or? I didn't think about the shoe. I was just thinking like mules. Mules can't procreate themselves, right? Yeah, no, you gotta, you gotta mix those bad boys up. Right, but I mean, like, two mules can't make another mule. As far as I know, right. So that's why you need a day set aside to just get it over with. <laughs> God, yikes. Okay, Enfield, I'm sure you're not as bad as this description. Anyway. If we happen to have a listener <laughs> in Enfield or in the area, let us know what mule day is. Yes, please. actually, I should have looked it up. I looked up a lot of stuff about this, and that's the one thing I glanced over. And honestly, that's probably the most interesting fact. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Anyways... Walking through Enfield, you you come across a restaurant called Billy Bob and Nina's. And I bet they make great breakfast. I know, I always think like they seem like the kind of restaurant that would serve food Bre- in a skillet. That too. Like you go there and the coffee is just amazing. And then you can get a short stack at any time of day. Yeah. Oh, I bet their hash browns are 
bomb. Anyways, there's also a post office and a library and all of the other stuff you need. And a weird amount of Christian churches of various denominations. I'm pretty sure I saw about seven. In a town of 700, that's one church per 100 people. I mean, yeah, that's small town America, especially the South. And I, I would even consider the southern portion of Illinois the South because that's like, like you said, it's pretty much like Kentucky at that point. Right. Like geographically. Right. And I think culturally, probably more similar to Kentucky than like upper Midwest Minnesota. 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 There's one police officer currently. I assume the sheriff. I'm not sure. I just I was I was looking at census information. So there's one point one eight police officers per thousand people. Wait, they have 500, though, so that means, like, they don't even have a full police officer. (laughs) I don't, I don't, they have one. There's one guy. Maybe he, like, commutes. Maybe he's a two-village officer. maybe he's missing a leg or something. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. Most people sleep in the town. They have houses in the town, but they don't work in Enfield. I mean, I guess, except for the people who work at the restaurant and the post office. Sure. But most people are... Maintenance jobs, mechanics, truck drivers, construction workers, blue collar jobs. So like there's no Amazon warehouse here. Jeff Bezos trying to get his little Mr. Clean hands. It sounds to me like instead of going to space, just go to Enfield. People are leaving. Why go to a place people want to go to if you're trying to escape? Why not go to a place people clearly don't want to be in anymore? Hmm. Start thinking, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, you're going to have to ask him that. Anyways, that's Enfield. That's the village itself, but the area it's in of this portion of Illinois is called the Devil's Kitchen. This is because the original people who inhabited the area, Native Americans. Yeah, before the white man. Before white man, yes. But also the early white settlers and colonists, they all noticed that this area has a lot of of weird, unexplained phenomenon going on, and it still does. People have mentioned ghosts, paranormal activity, groaning sounds, weird uh, Like that? I did, uh. not, <laughs> I did not look up any audio clips. I just took <laughs> the, their word for it. Native Americans considered that to be sacred land and those signs to be sacred signs but white settlers were like um no too spooky for me too spooky the shit's cursed and that's how it got called the devil's kitchen kitchen i don't i don't know there maybe there's some meaning to kitchen that i don't understand but in addition to all of that stuff there's the shawnee national forest which is very dense forest that covers that area so the, the area itself has a history of just generalized spookiness because forests are spooky? Yeah. You don't think forests are spooky? Mm, I guess. You could get lost in a forest in like... You could get lost I could, in a forest. I could get lost. I could get lost walking around the block. I couldn't find my way out of a paper bag if I had to. You'd get lost in Enfield. The 1.2 <laughs> square miles. Honestly, I probably would. Point is, they're dark and they're spooky and there's animals and bugs and wind. (laughs) Okay. So it's a spooky area with a history of spookies. That's the, the vibe we're living in. Small, white town in a spooky area. 
it's just ripe for paranormal <laughs> activities. Colleen just did something very weird with her hand when she said <laughs> ripe. She like did like a weird that, that Italian <laughs> man sure. pinching his fingers like that new emoji. Oh yeah. Very odd. Anyways, now you know Enfield. You're an expert. Oh. Let's get into the story. It is 9.30 p.m. on April 25th of 1973. Mm, almost my birthday. Mm-hmm. I mean, two decades prior, but yes. Right. Henry McDaniel and his wife are just getting home. Uh, maybe from work. I'm, I Honestly, I looked it up in several articles. Nobody says where they were. I'm going to assume work. Though they had a late day if they're not getting home till 9.30. Sheesh. No one's working office jobs here. No, that's true. That's true. Okay, so they're getting home at 9.30. As they're settling down, two of their kids, Henry Jr. and Lil, run up to them in a panic. Excuse me? Lil? Lil. We're talking... Like our podcast. Yeah, like a Lil Spooky. I don't like her. (laughs) Yeah, get your own name, Lil. (laughs) So Henry Jr. and Lil run up to them in a panic, and they tell them... While they were gone, there was something that was scratching at the door, like trying really hard to get in. Big Henry, not Henry (laughs) Jr. I'm just going to call regular Henry, Henry. Henry was like, it's probably just a stray dog or raccoon raccoon, or something. And his kids are making a big deal out of nothing. That's happened to me before. Anytime I hear anything scratching outside, I assume someone's trying to kill me. And I was even worse as a kid. So I I feel their feels. I feel you, Lil. Before you go on, I have to say naming your child Lil is probably the worst thing you could do because that is a very hard to pronounce name for a child. Will? Will. (laughs) Oh, no. Henry, he brushes his kids aside. He's like, I'm sure what you heard was a raccoon or something, whatever. But a little bit later, he actually starts to hear the scratching sound at the door for himself. So he's still thinking it's a dog or raccoon or yeah, an animal. Something. So he opens the door to like peek his head out or maybe like scare it away. And what he sees is not a raccoon. It's Jeff Bezos finally <laughs> settling in Enfield. <laughs> Actually, sort of. Equally creepy. Henry describes what he saw as a creature that had three legs, a short body, two little short arms. And two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish colored. Hmm. What are you picturing? At first, I was picturing like, this is going to be over your head. But, oh, okay. Well, there's a Pokemon named Dupider. And yeah, it, like, right. it's like a little spider thing. And it has like three or four legs it stands on. So at first I was picturing that. But then you said the two flashlight pink eyes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, Henry says that it was actively trying to get into the house. So, like, when he opened the door, it was like, now's the time. (laughs) Here's my chance. So he slams the door shut, of course, and Southern Illinois goes straight for the gun and a flashlight. I mean, I... If that happened to me and if I owned a gun, I would also do that right now. Really? Yeah. If there was a weird alien creature with, like pink eyes and it was like let me in let me in well okay okay we have bears that eat our garbage and are constantly yeah, but you can trying scare to... a bear away well he didn't know that this like yeah, you said this... it was actively trying to get in well he it's an animal 
I, there's always birds three, trying to a kill three themselves. Le- a three-legged, short-armed, pink-eyed animal. Well, okay, but if you don't know what it is and you're being rational about it, you close your eye, like close the door, turn around, and you're like, "Holy shit, what I just see? Well, that's some sort of weird mutant the, deer." The, the, th- <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, if he did that, though, I imagine that since he's still trying to actively get into the house, it's still scratching at the door if he shut the door. Right. That's. The I assumption. would do the same thing, and if I owned a gun, get a gun. Well, just like you would, he grabs his twenty-two and he goes back to the door, and instead of just like leaving the door closed, he opens the door and goes four shots. I don't know about the other three shots, but Henry says he's positive that the first shot hit it. The beast hissed at him (laughs) and then ran away. Only it didn't exactly run. It bounced. Oh, I was going to say scuttled. No, it bounced. He says that it looked like it covered 50 feet in just three jumps. Whoa. It's like a pogo stick. Yeah. Um, did he say where he was sure he shot it? I did not write it down. I want to say he thought he like shot it in the chest. But don't take my word. Sure. That's not bad. Okay. So I'm still trying to picture it. I got the legs down and the eyes. But mm-hmm. what's its body like? Short body. Short body. But is it like proportional like? To like a gray alien where it's kind of thin or is it like stout? This is the only, this is his description from his words. Short body. It had three legs on it, a short body, two little short arms, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish colored. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he shoots it, it runs away. Back to the gun thing. Why would you shoot it? Right away. Yeah. The, the thing is, I would grab a gun if I had one, too, but I wouldn't shoot right away. I mean, I, I wouldn't I mean, have opened the, the door and shot it. I would have been like, I got my gun in case it gets into the house. That right. makes sense to yes. me. But taking your gun and then immediately opening the door to, you know, potentially increase the amount of danger you're putting yourself in to shoot it when it hadn't gotten into the house previously. Right. I would, like, open the window or something and fire, like, a shot into the ground to see, like, if it would scare it away. Right. And that makes sense to me. But, I mean, you don't know what it is. Right. That's why I wouldn't shoot it either. Because What if it was a Bigfoot? What if if you shot Bigfoot? Or, like, what if it's intelligent, too? Right. And it needed Well, what if it was... Okay, this is exactly like the Hopkinsville Goblin situation. Like, what if they were aliens, but their, like, craft broke down and they needed bananas for energy? Or human blood to fuel their ship. Right. And they, what if they were asking nicely? You don't <laughs> like, know. I like how you just agreed with that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Look, I don't like when strangers knock on my door. Okay, but usually I just ignore them. I don't, I don't just shoot them. Maybe I'm the weird one. I don't know. I don't know. If something's actively trying to get it in your house, I think it's fine to try and defend yourself. Not, I shouldn't, I'm not victim blaming here, but I don't think you should open your door to the danger. Why not call someone... If something's scratching at your door, you're probably assuming it's like a raccoon and you can scare it away. Right. And I understand that the first time you open the door to see what it was. Why open it again if you're thinking it's trying to attack you? That that. was my question. Yeah. I would never open that door again. Right. I would would sit there with my gun and if it came in or I noticed it like breaking into the door. Or the window or something. Or the window. Then yes, shoot it. Right. But why increase the amount of potential danger by like it could what if it got past you and got into the house yeah what if more had shown up or something right 
So I understand. I thought that was weird. But you know what? I've never been in a weird. Well, like you said, yeah, the culture is different. Too. Yes, very different. I'm not from an area where guns are that prevalent. Sure. You know, this seems like the sort of town where like. Every house has a gun that yeah. comes with it when you buy it. Yeah. Or like maybe, I mean, maybe this is a big hunting town or, you know, area. With the forest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. So I guess it's just not, it's not something I'm used to. Okay. So, so far we're talking about a situation that we've heard before in a lot of cryptid tales. Cryptid scene. Cryptid shot at. Shooter calls police. Police find nothing. Everyone moves on and assumes that the original person is like crazy or drunk or an idiot or looking for attention. If he's so sure that he shot it, it should have left blood or something, right? Well, let me tell you what happens. This story does not follow that normal pattern. There's actual physical evidence that something odd actually was standing in front of his house. Okay. So after he shot at it, he went back inside, closed the door, and he called the police, as I would as Mm -hmm. well. The police came and they listened to the story and they're like... Wait, wait. The police or the officer? Because there's only one police officer. Every article that I read says police as in multiple police so maybe at the time there was more or maybe there were highway patrol officers that showed up instead like multiple law enforcement officials showed up and he's telling them the story and they're like nodding at him and they're like sure sure henry right yeah whatever you say but they do their jobs and do like a cursory search around mm-hmm. his house and they actually discover like weird new scratches in the siding of the house and footprints these weren't like running footprints they look like footprints left by something just standing in one location okay yeah there were three footprints two that were about four inches wide And then a third center foot that was a little bit smaller. And each of these feet had six toes on it. Ew. (laughs) So it wasn't like a mistaken, like, oh, you know, you saw its tail and thought it was a third leg. Right. Sort of thing. It was actually. It has three feet. And it was standing on three feet. It wasn't as if it was moving and you got two footprints of the same foot and then... Right. It, 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 it was a standing footprint, three feet. I'm trying to think of, like, the biological reason for that. Like, no clue. So, like, it has six appendages on each leg. Six toes on each foot. Right, but we don't know if they're toes. Like, what if they're, like, little talon-type things? Well, sure. Because I'm picturing, like, it has six in order to, like, dig itself into the ground and firmly stay there yeah like a tripod but like maybe with daggers at the end. <laughs> I don't know. well the cops like don't know what to make of this and honestly they're still feeling kind of skeptical I, which i would too if i hadn't seen it and yeah uh, i mean all you have to go off of is a footprint which is granted a bizarre footprint there, there's nothing in the wild like especially in this area that would have six toes right can't think of anything that would i i couldn't answer that i imagine no i mean there's definitely nothing that would have 
two feet and a center foot, unless it was deformed somehow. Well, well and I'm thinking, you know, it could have been any four-legged animal that's missing a leg, but... Well, the way... So they're, they took a picture of these. Mm -hmm. The way they're configured is like they're in a line. It's not like... Oh, it's not like a tripod. Not like a tripod. It's just a horizontal or vertical line. Yeah. Weird. I mean... If I'm remembering correctly, like the center foot, I think is a little bit, a little bit back, but I... Sure. Yeah, because it wouldn't make sense if it was a perfectly straight line. It would just be able to be tipped over. Right. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the science of this. We don't even know if it's real. It's a horror. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It needs a better name, first of all. <laughs> so uh, the cops are still skeptical, as I said, but they do take the time to note down that Henry seemed completely rational and completely sober while they took his witness <laughs> statement. So uh, this is a small town. I imagine that everybody kind of knew everyone else to some extent. Sure. Especially if there's so many churches. I imagine there's like a lot of church community mingling. Yeah. And even if you're not a churchgoer, you're probably known as the weirdo that doesn't come to church <laughs> right. with everyone else. So my point is, I would think that the the word of a police officer in a town like that would probably hold a lot of weight. Yeah, for sure. So people listen. And Henry goes around town telling this story to literally everyone. Anyone. He's everywhere. He, the stray cat. The They make it sound like he was just preaching this yeah. to the masses. People went crazy because they felt like because the cops, quote unquote, verified his story, that it must be real. Mm -hmm. And Henry is a rational person with two kids who works hard. Why shouldn't we believe him? Right. We'll, we'll get back to that because that whole storytelling causes a massive stir in the town. But before I get back to that story, it turns out that Henry was not the first person to see this monster. Mm -hmm. On April 25th, 1973, at 9 p.m. Oh, like the, a half hour before. Yep, a 10-year-old boy named Greg Garrett saw it, also in Enfield. According to his police statement, he was playing outside and his parents were inside watching TV. That's a dark time. Okay, I, I'm not the only one who thought that, right? Yeah, I'm, who is... lets their 10-year-old play outside in the dark at 9 p.m. Well, alone? Yeah, because it's like... It's not June or July yet where it's going to be still light outside at nine. Like in, in April, it's still going to be dark or it's going to be dark by eight, I assume. I, I don't know. If he hadn't run into a monster, I, I've listened to enough true crime to know that he would have been picked up by a predator, human or, or otherwise. Or even just wildlife, too. Right. Prime pickings. Little Greggy. Right. Anyways, he was irresponsibly playing outside in the dark, when a hideous creature came up to him. He said that it actually got so close that it stepped on his feet and its claws ripped up his shoes. It does with claws. Well, he described it as five feet tall, three legs, stumpy arms with taloned hands, gray, slimy skin, and big red eyes. Okay, so yeah, that's pretty much matching exactly except for... Red versus pink. But I mean, that could that's, be a lighting thing. Yeah, and that's a discrepancy. I mean, like. And also, like, 
four and a half feet to five feet, that's pretty much the same. Yes. So, yeah, that's like... He's describing the same thing. Right. Right. So he burst into his house crying hysterically, and police were called to the scene, and they couldn't find any evidence of everything, so I'm guessing they just wrote it off as 10-year-old boy playing alone in the dark and got scared by some animal. Right. But then half an hour later, the same thing happened somewhere else. Right. Well, the reason I didn't start this episode with that chronologically first sighting is because even though it was technically the first sighting, years later, Garrett told researchers that the incident never actually happened. He just wanted to tease Henry McDaniel. Uh-huh. So here's my problem. He filed a police report. Oh, it's on the record. With the police. Right. So uh, I guess why would you go through that trouble for a joke? Or like if you want, just wanted attention. Now, 10-year-old boy, I guess. He also probably knew the police too. True. Like, or I mean, once you get in to a certain point, you got to follow it through or you got to confess. And clearly he just played along with this until he got older. Sure. As I said earlier... After Henry McDaniel started talking about this, the town just went crazy about this story. So, I mean, you could have easily just told people after the story got out that you saw it and gotten the same amount of attention. You know, why go through the trouble of filing a police report? Right. Plus, I couldn't find out when his report was filed. Now, if it was filed after Henry's, that backs up the claim that it was a fake report. If it was filed before Henry's, then, of course, how would he have known? Yeah. So it sounds like Henry called the police right away when it happened to him. Mm -hmm. I'm under the impression that maybe for the little kid, it was the next morning. I would think so, too. But here's my problem. Why would you mention the fact that you burst into the house hysterically and your parents were there to verify that? Yeah. If his parents were playing along... Fine. But if his parents weren't playing along, his timeline doesn't make sense. Because if he was playing at nine o'clock, that's before the Henry McDaniels sighting. Mm -hmm. And his parents would not have known to play along with his. I mean, anything could have upset him and then he just adopted the, the story. Right. And that's the most likely scenario. And that's why I didn't. Or I mean, or maybe he just, you know. Ten, I don't remember anything from when I was 10. Mm-hmm. When when did he say it was fake? Several years later. I'm not sure. Okay. So, I mean, he maybe just didn't want any attention. Maybe he actually did witness something and he's like, I just want to put it behind me. So, right. That's kind of my thought. The most likely case, he's making the story up for attention. But maybe he did legitimately see it. But now he wants to be taken more seriously or just, so he's or just like, forget about it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it never happened. Never happened. I I did it as a joke. Right. So, I mean, it's up to you to decide what his motives were. Like, if he was trying to cover up his story it, later on to seem less crazy, or if, you know, he was actually just playing a joke. What does its head look like? I don't know. I That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Is it like a gray, like... Because they described grayish it, skin, right? They legs. described it grayish skin, but like, is it like a big round head, or is it just like a normal, proportional human-sized head with big eyes? I, I don't know. That's what I want to know, though. I don't know, and that's not described. 
I've read, I read a ton of different sources. The right. only descriptions we get are the quoted descriptions from Henry McDaniels, which I read to you earlier. Has Enfield adopted this as like a touristy type thing? I'm wondering I, if they sell merch. I would imagine they do, yes. But we will get into the tourist thing in just a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. All of that supposedly happened April 25th. The next day, Henry's going around telling everybody the story. May 6th, two it's weeks later, later yeah. two weeks later, Henry McDaniel is woken up by his neighbor's dogs barking. <laughs> and he goes outside to see what in tarnation this hoot nanny's all about. Yep. And he saw the monster mm. again. This time, it's just hanging out on the railroad tracks by their house. And he did, he says, quote, I didn't shoot at it or nothing this time. <laughs> End quote. He just watched it kind of like meander around on the railroad tracks, like sniffing around, hanging out for a few minutes, and then it bounced away. So, I, I mean, it must have been far enough away that he didn't feel threatened by it. But interesting like, he would have gotten a really good look at it if you're sitting there standing there for a few minutes yeah. watching it. I find this second story a little less believable. Sure. Well, he let's assume he believed it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. If he wasn't convinced that he saw a monster the first time, he was sure of it right. the second time. Because he saw it again. And it wasn't like a fleeting glimpse. He sat there and he looked at it and he knew, like, this isn't normal. This isn't just, like, some common animal. Mm -hmm. This is something freaky. So Henry goes around town telling everyone he's seen a monster from outer space. He claims it is a monster from outer space. He doesn't care if people start making fun of him. He doesn't care what people say. He's just telling everyone. Was he doing, like, you, you said he was telling everyone after the first sighting. Mm -hmm. But, like, because I'm just wondering if he, like, if he actually witnessed something the first time, but he has a made-up follow-up encounter the second time to continue with the attention. Or to, to get people to find him more credible that right. he saw it again right. and could re-describe it, potentially. Yeah. Word gets out, obviously, because he's telling everyone the story, and the story spreads like crazy. And soon enough, the village of Enfield was, like, packed with tourists and monster hunters. I mean, think about it. This is like a small, 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 small town. Yeah, they can accommodate a bunch of visitors. Yes, not only that, I mean, they, you don't want your town filling up with strangers. I right. mean, like, you're, you. how do you let your kids play alone in the dark now? Yeah. With all those people around. It's not safe now. <laughs> it got so bad that the county sheriff, Roy Pochard, Pshaw. Uh, he threatened to arrest Henry if he kept telling people his story. Oh, okay. uh, but, I, I mean, it was too late. They they got a bad case of tourists. Sure. Among the people that came to the town, tourists, researchers, reporters, ever, ever, people who wanted to, to interview Henry, like, this was a big deal. But also, there were people who were, like, dead set on monster hunting. So they would show up to town with weapons, guns, bows and arrows. Like, 
like the whole spiel. So, I mean, that's another reason the locals weren't happy. Yeah. I imagine, I mean, even if you do have guns in your house, it's not going to make you happy with a bunch of armed, strange individuals roaming around your town. Yeah. So, all of a sudden, the town is overrun with gun-toting thrill-seekers looking for a monster that only one person has verifiably claimed to have seen. Maybe two. But, of course, with the influx of new people new sightings on may 8th just two days after henry's second sighting two hunters from indiana named mike mogul and roger tappy claimed to see a giant gray monkey dashing through the underbrush but they couldn't get a good shot so like you see it and you're immediately like gone now that's just not my mentality i just don't get it i just don't no one has cameras like in their pockets at this time. It hasn't done anything. It's done literally nothing. That is true. And also, if they had just witnessed, like, an old man, an old hairy man just in the forest, they could have shot a person. Right. I mean, like, especially if it was dashing through the underbrush. You don't know what you saw. Anyways, luckily, Deputy Sheriff Jim Clark deemed these men and the men with them as threats to public safety and arrested them. Cool. Right. Because you can't just go shooting at things all willy-nilly. Wouldn't okay, just just side note question because I'm not a hunter. Wouldn't this sort of like reckless gun handling shooting wouldn't that like piss off real hunters? Yeah, and there's actual deaths every year of reckless shooting like this. Right. I mean you're just ruining it for everyone, really. Why not just take a picture? Of this, well, they couldn't monster. at this time, though. Really, cameras existed well, in they, 1973. They, of course, they existed, but like you know, these people can't afford a camera. And well, these are not, tourists. tourists, they could afford to go to Enfield, <laughs> they could afford the gas. Sure, <laughs> I just mentioned them because they claimed to have been outsider witnesses other than Henry McDinn, but that's not the same monster, though. You, you I said, mean, it's presumed that it is. You, can you? What was the description? They claimed it was a big gray monkey. Yeah, that's way different. But they also only got like a fleeting glimpse of it as it was running. Like it wasn't standing in front of them the way it was with the yeah, other two. I think there's a big difference between a monkey and a three-legged, short-armed, pink-eyed monster. Right. Well, and I am thinking if you're in this town in the midst of a monster craze and you're looking for monsters, you're going to see what you want to see. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't call them credible at all. But they are listed as having seen it. Sure. There was one more credible witness, and that one is Rick Rainbow. Director of WWKI Radio in Kokomo, Indiana. He and three other people claim to have seen the monster near an abandoned house kind of a short distance away from the McDaniel house. Okay. Maybe maybe he just lives there. In, in the, the abandoned, abandoned house. house maybe. Why are you showing up at his house? What's what why are you harassing him? What if this creature was just like innocently trying to scope out its neighbors the first time. Scratching into the siding. I don't think so. I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. Just leave it alone. Rick Rainbow says that they didn't see it very well, but they mentioned that it was five feet tall, gray, and stooped over. Rainbow actually managed to record the sound of it screeching. 
and he got it to a researcher and cryptozoologist named Lauren Coleman. And he wrote about it in Fate magazine. He then went to Enfield himself to do like thorough research. And he heard the wailing for himself, like the screeching sound it makes, but he was never actually able to see it anywhere. So is this recording available? No, it is not. Uh -huh. um, it has been lost to time. That's stupid. I don't I from what I read, I, I could not find it anywhere. It has mysteriously disappeared. If you were to guess, can you do it? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I well, assume well, it's like a. OK, that's what you think it sounds yeah. like. I assume all monsters sound like. I think it was more like. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the story of Banfield Horror. Those are the it, those are the sightings, and it, I mean, it's kind of a lame story. It really. needs a better name, though. The, than the Enfield Horror. It needs a name. Yeah. You gotta name it. I don't, I don't, it was, it apparently was only around for a couple weeks because that's the last time it was ever seen. There's never been any reported sightings of the Enfield Horror since now. I, I just want to say, though, first, before you move on, because this is still relevant, even the Hopkinsville Goblins have a name. Yeah. I mean, it's still, you know, the town they were seen in, but, right, but they're, they're goblins. goblins. Yeah. Why isn't this thing named something? It should be like the Enfield try tripod yeah even that is better honestly <laughs> i don't know i don't know but now i'm gonna get into theories for you yeah okay the most popular theory the most accepted theory is that it was an escaped kangaroo <laughs> no <laughs> okay so that would explain for the hopping and you could potentially mistake a tail for the third leg, especially because they, they do yeah. use it for balance. And they, it's a thicker tail, too. Right. And, you know, maybe they got little arms. Little they they do, for, compared to the, the legs, right. for sure. Yes. I, st I got a lot of questions How many toes this. do a kangaroo have? That Does I don't know. But what the fuck is a kangaroo doing in Enfield, I mean, Illinois? Sure, I assume it's like a zoo or something. But like that'd be a pretty far way away from any sort of metropolitan zoo. Well, I yes, I don't know that Enfield had a nearby zoo. Kangaroos have different tracks from what was actually discovered. Yeah, and I'm sure they don't have six toes either. McDaniel himself, when presented with this theory, said, "Quote: It wasn't no kangaroo." End quote. <laughs> I've never seen a kangaroo in real life. I've, I mean, I've, I haven't, this is Minnesota. I don't think I've even seen one in a zoo, but I'm 99% sure that I would recognize one if I yeah, saw one. Everyone, sure. little kids who have never seen or heard of Australia can identify kangaroos. Yeah, the, the, like, if you're learning about the continents, like, the first thing you learn about Australia is kangaroos and koalas. Exactly. I read in one article that somebody said they had a pet kangaroo nearby that had escaped a year earlier. <laughs> First off, I don't know how long a solitary kangaroo would survive in the wild in Illinois. I don't, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that. But for a full year? That's too long. Yeah, and I'm, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure it would be able to live a little bit, like, I don't know what they necessarily eat, but it would probably be able to get by for a few weeks. But, like, there's no way it lived through a year and through a winter also. Yeah, I don't know what the winters are like there. I 
I mean, Southern uh, Illinois, I'm sure it's not. Yeah, it's probably horrible. not like it is in the upper Midwest, but. It's not Australia. It's not Australia. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know their adaptability. So that's. that's it's one. not a kangaroo. <laughs> well, that's one accepted theory. People have also just picked different animals. Some people said it was a monkey of some kind, bears, dogs, wildcats. Just trying no. to explain it away. With, sure, with but none of that makes sense. Right, none of those fit the descriptions. Right. Okay, so other theory. This was this was made up for funsies by more, Henry McDaniel. More believable. Right. Garrett's recanting of his story makes this theory credible. And the hunters, as I mentioned earlier, who saw the monster, I mean, they could have just been influenced by the town hysteria and seen what they wanted to see. Yeah. Or just seen anything strange. I mean, if you see something bizarre, you're going to be like, whoa, Enfield monster, that's what I came here to, to find, and that's what I found. In fact, Western Illinois University sociologist David Miller looked into this event as a social contagion where large groups of people can be influenced by group emotions, such as hysteria, collective visions, and extreme instances of suggestibility. There were a handful of sightings that led to panic and potentially exaggeration. And sure. then that was passed on. However, even if all of the re other reports were instances of hysteria, where did Henry McDaniel's original story yeah, come from? Yeah, that, that doesn't explain the first sighting. Right. So it could easily explain every subsequent sighting. Yeah. But and not I, the first And I'm one. guessing that probably is the case mm -hmm. for sure for everything that everyone else witnessed. Sure. So here's another theory. The Mount Vernon monster. That also needs a better name, too. Yeah. I, I also They're not don't super creative. Is. In 1941, so solid 30 years earlier... The village of Mount Vernon, which is 40 miles away, experienced a very similar monster that hoppity hopped. And they described it as like gray baboon-like creature. Okay. Was it the same monster? We don't know. Well, there's been nothing to suggest that they're connected other than the fact that it's grayish, gray. bouncy monster sure. that happened in the, in the same area. Yeah, I, I mean, I really think the three-legged thing this it sets this one apart from anything else, so it would have to be something that has three legs, right? Like, to me, at least. My final theory: aliens. Okay, so this one makes th this one makes more sense, right? Okay, there's been weird shit going on in this region for hundreds of years, if not longer. Mm -hmm. We've had orbs, glowing balls, ghost balls, yeah, sounds and shrieks, and Henry himself first identified it as a creature from outer space. I mean, it made screechy alien noises. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, with this cryptid, I think that would be the most, I don't know, I, I guess it just makes the most sense. I wouldn't say it's the most believable, but it makes the most sense. We're talking a remote town in middle America. That's like prime alien real estate. Roswell. Other places where aliens are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I've always wondered this, too. So if I'm an alien in a UFO, and I'm just going to the Western Hemisphere, and I'm decided, for whatever reason, on North America, I would probably just go right in the middle. Yeah. And that well, would make sense. Right. And if you're being strategic, you wouldn't want to go, like, in a big city. 
I imagine you understand people are going to be weirded out by your presence. You would likely pick an underpopulated area. Right. I mean, I'd pick like the middle of the national forest that nobody would be in. But I suppose it'd be hard to land a spacecraft in a forest. I I suppose it depends on the motives of the alien, too. Is it there to witness human activity? So it wants a populated area, but not densely populated. Mm -hmm. Or does it want to be seen? Then it would go to a highly populated area. What if... Okay, you know how we sent, like, monkeys to the moon first? Well, what into if, space. Yes. Into space. I'm sorry, not the moon. Animals into space first. Right. To test the waters. Mm-hmm. What if this was just some weird-ass alien creature that, like, like you an know, alien like, pet. like a pet or, like, you know, like a, like a, like a squirrel or something. Like, yeah, what we, you know. A pest. A yeah. pest. Or kangaroo to Australia. Just like some random wildlife that you were like, let's strap them in and send them out and see if they survive. Because why would there only be one of them? And why would it be so bad at communicating? (laughs) That's true. Well, I mean, yeah. Anyways, those are the theories. Obviously, everybody knows which one I'm going to pick, and it's aliens. I I assume there is like... Like, fan fiction of this. Like, like not necessarily fan fiction, but, like, like art of it. Mm-hmm. I want to know what it looks like. There are a lot of different drawings, and they all look very different. One of them looks kind of kangaroo-y. There's another one that looks like a weird, like, melted, waxy, slimy thing with... like Because that kid described it as slimy. Yeah, so there's... I mean, it's all completely up to artistic interpretation. Yeah. The only person who can tell you for sure what it looked like is Henry McDaniel, and his far as I know, he did not do any drawings. Or if he did, I did not come across them on my research. 73 is almost 50 years ago now. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if he's still alive. I am not sure. Anyways, that's it. The <laughs> Enfield Horror. That was interesting. I, it's it, Just like with a lot of these cryptids, I want to know more. Okay. I want to know what his head looks like. It needs a better name. Okay, so here's the most... I'm just... You can't see this. I'll post this on Instagram. This is the most common drawing of it. And you describe it. Hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> it looks like a mix between a naked mole rat and a rancor from Star Wars. Yeah. With three legs. Right. It's definitely very... Alien. Like, it's not something you would mistake for a kangaroo, or like a kangaroo for. Right. I I guess that since you described the entire initial description of this monster, it is so vague. Mm -hmm. Like, it could be anything. Like, I was picturing something a lot more arachnid. Right. Well, and I understand the first sighting being vague because he opened the door, shot at it, and closed the door. Right. You're not going to, like, stand there like just observing it the problem is he says he saw it a second time and he uh, like watched it for a few minutes and if that's the case you could definitely give a better description he should even if it's like how it moves or what it was looking at even if he's a terrible artist he should have at least tried to draw it right like and maybe he did but i i I did look for like an original drawing yeah i don't know man that's it. That's the horror. I'm calling it the tripod from now on. The tripod. Well, today I have a new story. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of listener stories the past few weeks. And if you would like to send us one to read on the podcast, send it our way. 
But this week, I have a story from China. Oh, that's a little spooky. This is recent. On May 4th, two masked men entered the Ji House Taipei restaurant, holding large bags filled with over 1,000 cockroaches. Ew. They simply released the cockroaches at the reception desk <laughs> on the second floor of the establishment before fleeing the scene. What? Roaches Rude. started crawling on the floor, walls, and furniture, and it wasn't long before patrons enjoying their meal started noticing them. What? <laughs> Among the diners were police officers of the Taipei Police Department. There was a large police banquet happening at this time. Ah. And immediately, this banquet created a task force task force <laughs> to try to catch the predators or the perpetrators, excuse me. The commissioner Chen Jia Cheng and the rest of the police department were in attendance and they originally assumed that the cockroach attack was targeted at law enforcement. However, the police investigation found no evidence of this and instead it is now believed that the bizarre incident was a consequence of a debt dispute between the restaurant owner and local criminals. <laughs> what a weird way to get payback. Five suspects have been identified in this case. The two masked men, two lookouts, and a getaway driver. And they're all members of the Bamboo Union, an organized crime ring, which the restaurant owner allegedly owed money to. After their threats were unanswered, the criminals apparently decided to simply ruin the man's business. I I have many questions, but that is an interesting retribution. Where did they come from? The cockroaches? Yeah, you think they like bred them? Yeah, I, I think it, it's easier to do it that way instead of They'll just like looking for cockroaches. Ones. Yeah, I, I imagine they just got, you know, probably 10 cockroaches, threw them in like a, you know, a terrarium and had them... For a while. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Gross. Well, and also, I, as a restaurant patron, mm -hmm. if I saw one cockroach, I would be like, sick, this restaurant's disgusting. If I saw five, ten cockroaches, same. If I saw a swarm garbage bags full of cockroaches, you know that's not... Yeah, that something just happened. Yes, that's not like... That's not normal. Isn't that wild, though? Yes, like, that's insane. That's, I actually, that's, it's, you know what it is? If that's going to be the type of gang violence that we have to deal with, I would prefer that. Bring that to America. <laughs> yeah, take away the, the weaponry. And yeah. The Just bring out the cockroaches. Gross. All right. <laughs> so that was, that was weird. I have one update about yeah, our UFO yeah. watch. Unfortunate. Ugh. Well, the official report has not yet come out. No. But the New York Times ruined everything for everybody by basically leaking that there's no information in the report. I, I, from my understanding, I think when the actual official report is given to Congress, if that is made public, there may be some more like video evidence of UFOs that haven't been released yet, but it's going to be very similar to what's already been released by the Navy. Right. Which is just literally you fast UFOs that move unnaturally. And that'll be it. Basically, the conclusion that I got is they have no evidence of alien activity, but they can't exclude the possibility of alien activity, though more likely it's just some sort of technology we are and and, and really uh, not privy to really i mean 
Everyone so, was hopeful, yeah. but this is not surprising. No, at all. not at all. It's still a little bit soul crushing. I, I let me ask you this: Do you think this is truthful? And when it comes to the intelligence agencies that have been keeping this information, do you think they're releasing everything they actually do know? No. Or do you think they're keeping things close to the belt? Do you think they're gonna give up their information because Marco Rubio was like, "Hey, tell me about your UFOs." Right. I. But I guess what I'm getting at too is. Obviously, they're acknowledging the existence of UFOs, but do you think they actually have evidence of it being connected to aliens, or do you think it's more so foreign military assets? I think it is more likely foreign military assets, if I'm going to be logical. But I think that either way, whether it was foreign military assets or aliens, they're not going to give any information about it. Yeah. It's going to be... Especially if it is, like, of this world, like, belonging to another country. They're not going to give away, like, no. strategic information. That they know it exists, even. Right, I yeah. Mean, they don't want to, like, let everyone in the world know, hey, we know that, you know, this country has this or whatever. Right. I do... Maybe this is a little conspiracy theorist of me. But I do think they have information about... I don't know, alien activity, not necessarily proving its existence, but like further study into it that they've done that they just haven't like released the information about. But I think we're all at the mercy of whatever they decide to give us. I mean, like we oh, can't oh, for sure. It, it doesn't matter if they have it or not, because unless you are part of that institution, you're not going to know. I'm going to disagree with you, though. I don't think... And this is from my personal experience with many different government entities, whether it be local, state level, or in some cases even federal, because I've worked in campaigns and stuff in the past, and I won't expand on that. But from my experience, the government is incompetent. They're not doing their own research. They're just aggregating data yeah. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. others. But now there are plenty of corporations and people that are willing to aggregate data for money for the government. And look at Jeff Bezos. Yeah. He's going to space. Maybe he's... Meeting someone. Yeah, like, he probably has. He's probably bought information none of us will ever be privy to. Well, it's not, it's not like he can buy information someone else has. He has the money to conduct secret research. I think that if that you offer the right amount of money to the right person, you can get yeah, any you, information you but want. But the problem is with anything UFO related, how do you know who the right person is to pay? And how do you know if they're telling the truth? Right. Unless you get to Roswell and see the alien bodies in the top secret labs. Yeah. I don't know, man. I also don't, uh, I don't think that the government has any information on actual aliens. I think it's a pipe dream, really. I just don't think it's a thing. Yeah, and I, I mean, if they had information, I think that would be considered very classified. Right. I, I'm sure some of this information is being still kept classified just for, you know, safety concerns. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I bet they're being honest that they're saying we have no idea what this stuff is. I actually don't think they know whatever it is. I don't know. I don't agree with you there. I think they have a better idea of what it is than they're letting on. And I think that they're 
throwing us a bone by giving out this report by well, saying like they're not being... throwing us a bone they're literally required by law to at least provide yes something. but they're like we're being transparent we're telling you everything we know and uh, we have to trust them because like where am i gonna verify what they say <sighs> we might talk about this more too when the official report does come out and if it is made accessible but the legislation that was passed didn't specifically say release all of the relevant information. Sure. It said provide detailed and concise information or something along those lines. So it never required all UFO-related information to come out. Sure. So. That's true. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's always, even if they come out and tell me face to like straight up the actual truth, like there's no aliens, I'm not going to believe them. We're, and, and we should probably we should probably wrap this up in a little bit. But I have one last question about this for you. Mm-hmm. If they actually did acknowledge that aliens were real and they have like evidence of it, do you think that the public, not only America but the world, do you think they would even believe that, or do you think I like what? Do you think that people would believe it and start like going into a panic mode, or do you think they'd just be like? You know, this this was Trump's America last year. Can we believe anything they release now? Yeah, I'm thinking like on the international. That level. is a good question, though. I can't see what the government would have to gain by confirming the existence. Right, that's true. To me, it seems like there's only downsides, and the downside would be you know mass panic and yeah. Unless there was like, hey, we've discovered aliens and they've identified a cure for all known disease. Or something, but I that's un- <laughs> that's equally yeah, unlikely. It was just a thought. I don't know. But if you would like to send us a spooky story, please send it our way, mm-hmm. whether it be a personal story or if you have an episode topic request or anything at all you would like to share with us, you can send it to any of our social medias, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. All are at NerdslothHQ. Or you can email us at podcast at nerdsloth.com. Check out our website, and we have merch there, a link to our merch store as well. And I think that's about it for today. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.